Welcome back. It's episode number nine of your favorite show, Learning from Leaders. And today we get lucky. We sit down with Kevin and Marvin from Atlanta Sport and Social. Let me tell you, they took this business from one field, four different sports, to this year they had 30,000 participants in their sports and events. And just like with all our episodes, guess what it comes back to? Fear of failure. And they just don't have any. The only failure is if you don't learn, and the only failure is if you don't do it. So get out there, go and do something great, but make sure you listen to this episode first. Enjoy. Start with you guys today. I mean, we're here in your office now. How many employees do you have in the office? Ten. Ten Ten people full-time, and then you're trying to expand, you want more space. We do. Where did that start? I mean, it didn't start with ten people in an office. No. Looking for more space, right? It started with me, a a part-time, one-day-a-week employee, and then... Took the leap and hired a full-time person. That was six years ago. Wow. So what was the dream that you started off with? Was it just a side hustle that you were like, this would be cool? Did you need... No. I, so I, I was in a, a bad spot in my life. I uh, had a business that I had to close. I had a, a big client that went bankrupt and stiffed me for a lot of money. Um, I went through a divorce and really just wanted to create something that I could really be excited about. And the vision that I had six years ago was very different than it is today for Atlanta Sport and Social Club. But I I was looking to do something I could really get passionate about. And that's what happened. So you had the business, you had a business before this. I did. And it was, what was that in? Promotional products and branded apparel. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of similarities here. There is. Things that you have to do, but it's very different. Very different. And then with the clients that you had, was it difficult to switch gears into something else or was it just, I want to do something? Huge learning curve. I mean, I didn't know, I would not have known how to run a sports league six mm-hmm. years. I didn't know how to run one six years ago. <laughs> and what was the first thing you started off with then? Uh, with flag football, softball, and soccer. Is that right? Yep. Right off the bat. You right off the bat. Four sports. Mm-hmm. And you were here too? I was not here in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So it was you on your own. Me on my own. Yeah. We had people sign up for a flag football league first and I called a buddy and I said, holy shit. Do you know how to ref like football? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's that's how we got started. And so what was that original idea then? Where did it where did it come from? You just... It actually was my wife's idea. Um, she played with Toronto Sport and Social Club, and that's how she created her entire social network. Mm. And uh, to this day, she's still really good friends with the people she played Ultimate Frisbee with 20 years ago. Wow. And I, I didn't get it, but I was intrigued by the idea and really just dove in and... and figured out what the space in Atlanta could look like and created Atlanta Sport and Social Club. And so you just found a field? Yeah, so we actually spent about $3,000 on field rental for our summer season and we ended up using almost none of it uh, because we just didn't sell enough leagues. Uh So we did free pickup games for, I don't know, maybe 100 people. Gave everyone a t-shirt when they came to play for free. We had branded tents. It looked like we were pretty legit and we weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we lost all that field time that we bought in that summer and then told everyone at those pickup games, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together to play and everyone loved the idea. They started spreading the word. So that fall we had, I think 160 people yep. playing. Wow. And so how many did you have that first summer then? Maybe 30. So maybe 30 people started off. Yeah. And was there a point where you were thinking, is this going to work or is this several points okay (laughs) yeah uh yeah the first two two years were tough um bleeding money but you know saw the opportunity and then we had a a reservations day where we got a lot of time at piedmont park 
and all of a sudden it just it that was that spike and it hasn't slowed down since what was it that kept you going when you had them times when it was you only had 30 people you lost all that money on the field and then you thought well I still know this is going to be something. I think the belief. I, I really believed in what we were creating, and I just knew it just might take a little longer than we anticipated. Mm -hmm. And we tried different marketing uh, strategies, but it was really the belief in knowing that what we were doing was needed here and that the idea was a good one. Yeah. So the reality of it is, because a lot of people start off and they would say, well, I tried it. I did it this summer. Only 30 people did it. So that's it. It's not a good idea. You know, it's not a good <laughs> right. idea anymore. And then... For you to say, okay, this is just the start of something, and realize that them 30 people then could become 160, and then it comes to how many people now? We'll do 30,000 this year. 30,000 people participate this year? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and how long has that taken? So what? Uh, it would be seven years in October, so about six and a half years. Was there a, was there a big spike in that, or was it, did you start off? You know, pretty level off, and then no, it, we were or? almost doubling every season. Wow! Uh, from spring, summer to fall, winters obviously a lot smaller, mm -hmm. but we were on a pretty consistent hundred to two hundred percent increase every season. Wow! And so that's when you know it's working. That's yeah. <laughs> and was there a moment when you saw what you were doing was working, or how, when did you figure out okay, this is how we need to? We Mark talk about it, this all the time. Is, yeah. it, Piedmont Park has these steps that go down to all the, the athletic fields. Yeah. I knew it was working when I started to walk down those steps and you see three to 400 people all wearing our shirts, meeting each other for the first time and, and creating that, that environment, that experience. I knew it was something that was going to work. Yeah. And what do you think was the key? Do you think there were, it was about giving out the shirts and creating something... I mean, I think giving it, out the underneath it all, a picture, right? Like, and to go and take to a bar and things like that. Was it? Was it the connections of it? It wasn't just about putting a field there with a. No, it's really it was really about connecting people. Yeah, you know, Atlanta is a transient city. We get a lot of people here for their first jobs. They don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. We become their social network. Yeah, get off your phone and get out on a field and play a sport and meet people. Whether right. you're dating or employment or. Just your friend network. Mm -hmm. We have countless stories of people that have met, gotten married, you know, having kids. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that happening, and that's that's why we exist. And that's why you exist. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what, how long did it take you to get to that why? Rather than it be like, I want to do something that is going to be positive. To then, okay, we see this is bigger than just putting referees on a field or you know bringing some flag football stuff to a field. I would say it's probably two or three years in till mm -hmm. we started to really scale and you could see those relationships develop. I, I knew that that's what we wanted to do in the beginning, but it wasn't happening. I think we were just too small and yeah. expected it too quickly. Yeah. And then it started to happen. And I mean, it's, there's so many people that have met now because of us. That's awesome. Yeah. It's very similar to what we do at Oxfit. You Absolutely. know, is we bring people in and it's, you have to make them connections. Um, we force that. It's if you don't know the person's name over there, everybody gets five burpees, and <laughs> you you think it's like oh you see people like oh that you know I'm just doing it for the burpees, but you see that people want to connect. Sure. You know, and but because you're at work all day and then you're on your phone, you kind of don't know how to connect to people when you see them. In the, I see people that have been in the gym for two years, and they've seen that same person for two years, but I still have to say, hey. You got two minutes and it gives you again permission to talk and then you hear the buzz again and it's, you know, what you guys are doing now is 
I think it's becoming more and more important, right? As mm, people absolutely. are more and more isolated in the working from home on their phone. They've got their earbuds on yeah, all day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's becoming more important to see that. Do you think it's going to keep expanding? Is For that, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You think of things, we, we talk about esports and that, right. that's scary, I was going right? to ask about that. Yeah. Is that people something that you guys... basements playing yeah. games versus getting out on a field and, and meeting each other. Is that something you see yourselves going into or... We're... we're Dabbling in it a little bit. Yeah. And would you think it would be a different way? How would you add the social to it? Or do you think it's something You want to that... talk to that? Yeah. Yeah, it's more... I am not afraid of where technology is taking us. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I embrace what yep. esports does for the people who engage in it. My brother's one of them. He's a huge esports player. Plays in these tournaments, makes a bunch of money, and his best friends live all around the world, right? right. So bringing that and putting the Atlanta stamp on it would be the same thing, just putting all those people in the same space, right? Yeah. And then after they're done competing in their video games, giving them an outlet to go engage somewhere else. Yeah. You know, when um, DreamHack, the convention was here back in the fall, it's just so many people walking around with their heads down because they're not used to communicating face-to-face. Mm. You know, so being able to break down those barriers for the people who engage in the virtual space in real life is our ultimate goal, I think. Right. Yeah. So creating that place for you to play sports, but then having some kind of social mm-hmm. aspect to it that you could add that is not necessarily in the game, right? Right. And then maybe you give the screen 100% of your brain power for the 20 minutes, but at least you can look over to the person between games and have a conversation. Mm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Because I think that's something that, you know, I think the gym industry is probably going to go very similar that way where... You know, there'll be virtual workouts. You're already seeing virtual Peloton, classes come in and yeah, things yeah. like that where it's... But then it is that, how do you add that social aspect into it that I think is the next thing that we're going to be challenged with. You guys are probably going to be challenged with. Like, Absolutely. Less and less people playing sports. I don't know. You know, so is it a case of more people are on esports? So, cool. So, when did you come on? to Atlanta Sports and Social Modeling? Uh, I started playing one of the first few seasons I was a player. Um, I joined a flag football team as a complete individual, mm-hmm. and then also volleyball league with some friends from college. Um, played for two seasons, two or three seasons, and then got offered an internship. Um, so I came into the office February 2015. My first week in, they were all headed out for a conference. <laughs> so I was like right. manning the office. Oh, wow. <laughs> Answer the phones. Answer yeah. the phones, make sure yeah. it doesn't burn down kind of thing. Um, but at the time, I was working full-time at Delta as well. So oh, I was wow. putting in 25 to 30 hours at Atlanta Sports Social Club, and then my 40-hour work week at Delta. Um, yeah. and so you I, knew you'd found someone who liked to work hard. <laughs> I don't know that we knew right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like just... And then I found myself like giving up hours at Delta or like turning into like the graveyard shifts. So just like so put in more quality hours at Atlanta Sports Social okay. Club. Like I just started seeing the shift. Yeah. And at the same time, I also started taking care of my body more. I found myself around 2014 just like going to work and then on the couch mm. and just feeling gross and one day I just got up and signed up for a gym membership and then committed to bodybuilding for two years and then this community just helped me perform better in that space you wow. know? like I just yeah. had more freedom and more control over my time and my body and eventually Kevin took me out to lunch like six months into my internship and was like hey you want to join the team full time and I was like heck yeah. <laughs> yeah you know I packed my bag went straight to the airport I was like this is my two weeks Did you really? <laughs> yeah nice. same day yeah um, and when was that? How long ago was that? Now? That was so, June 2015. 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. So coming up on four years. Yeah. Now wow. Marvin's in charge of the largest part of the business. Okay. It's from an intern yeah. to the largest part. And how, how has this helped the vision of Atlanta Sport and Social, you guys working together now then? 
it, it allows me to sort of hand off the sports league business to Marvin. He, mm-hmm. he makes all the decisions, uh, wow. does all the programming. Yeah. Uh, it, it's his business to run. And we've got someone that does that for social events, someone that does that for corporate events, and someone that does that for sponsorships and allows me to really work on the vision of the entire mm-hmm. business and look for the, you know, the squirrel that's running around and see what we do next. And how long did it take you to get to that position where not even just being in that position, but being comfortable in that position? Because I know you started this seven years ago, was it? Seven years ago, and it was one field. And this, this is your baby that's and I become knew this. You knew every single thing that was happening. And I mean, I'm sure there's been challenges along the way, probably between you two, right? Sure. With you letting go and you taking the lead on things and going down and letting him fuck up and letting him take it the wrong way and you sure. coming in. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like, yeah, I think um, as we were starting to scale, I realized early on that I can't do it all. There's mm-hmm. no way this business can become the size that it can be if I'm going to try to micromanage you would be people, handcuffing it. Yeah, yeah. processes. Yeah. So slowly, it was a very slow process. Um, we had someone in Marvin's job before Marvin, and she just didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Marvin was working for her and could see that he really got the business. And so it was a slow transition. And even now, I mean, I, I think I trust Marvin, I trust Katie, I trust Corey to, to, to run their business. It's an uncomfortable position sometimes to be in, yeah. to not really know all the things that are happening. But we meet as a leadership team once a week cool. and we review big issues. We look at our scorecard. Yeah. So I know at least weekly how everything is going. And you know, we saw our office, we're in an open environment. I hear conversations and mm-hmm. I don't pop my head up and immediately address them yeah. then. We'll address it in a one-on-one. Yeah. But I think it's trust and okay. the ability to let go yeah. and know that you know Marvin has the right decisions in place and uh, can make those and, and really lead the business the way it needs to be led. Not necessarily the way I would lead it sometimes, right. but right. a lot of times it is, and I have to be okay with that. That's cool, because I mean, that's the position I'm in now. just got to that position, and my wife is running the gym, and I come in, and I don't know if you heard the term like seagull management, where you just come in and shit on everything and then leave. <laughs> and like, it's really Sounds hard. Not, it's really hard not to like do that, that, right? Yeah. And like you'd be like working your ass off, and then he'll come in and be like, "No, no, no, change all this." And that's what I was doing. And so it's like come in and just watch, and then know the time to be like, "Have you thought about doing it this way?" And sometimes you're wrong, right? right. It, we did think of that, but that's not going to work. Okay. And, but you don't know if you just come in and... Absolutely. And so do you still have that? Are you still going through that now? Or is this something that you feel like now you kind of get a, a I, grip I think, on? And you could probably speak to this. I, yeah. I think we collaborate yeah. more than we... Than I, I mean, there are sometimes I do shit on things. Mm-hmm. And Marvin and the rest of the leadership team has the ability to come back to me and say, no, 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 that, that's not who we're trying to be, right? Okay. Right. And I have to be able to, you know, swallow that and say, you're right. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're moving towards a much, much more collaborative relationships cool. as a business. Yeah. And this is a lot now allows you to go and work on the business, right? Absolutely. And be the vision and, and see the bigger picture yeah. and how, how you find in that role. It's, you know, at times I wonder, you know, does that really take up 48 or 50 hours a week? Uh, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy that part of it. Uh, yeah. I, I like seeing where we are three years from now, ten years from now, versus the day to day. I'm not. I'm not good at the. Do you? Do you? Okay. I was going to ask that. Do you struggle with? Because you started this, so you 
you're used to working hard, right? Sure. It was a lot of hours, I'm sure, to get it to Absolutely. where it is. Do you do you struggle with not doing day to day stuff and no. not? Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. I do not. Yeah, because sometimes it's easy to be busy yeah. rather than to say, "This is the hardest thing that's going to get us to the point we need to be." What is what are the challenges now that are like the thing that you? the top of your list, but sometimes you'll go to number two because you can check it off rather than hit that number one thing. What would you say that is for that land sponsor? So we, for the last, I don't know, two years have really struggled with the finance side of our business. Mm. And that was sort of an area that I was ultimately responsible for and not something I enjoy. I I can do it. I don't enjoy it. Um, So we have now transitioned that to an outside company. And we're not there yet. We've been onboarding them for two or three weeks. Okay. Uh, but I see how it's going to change my role and allow me to have probably two days back a week. Wow. Away from task-oriented business or, or work. And stuff you hate. Yeah. Which well, is the key, right? Do You get rid of the stuff that you don't enjoy yep. doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then them two days can be spent on... Yeah. Let's, let's grow this. How else can we grow this business? Yeah. And that's important. So, yeah. So, just acknowledging what you don't like or what you're not good at what you're not good at yeah because it's sometimes you want to be like no i can do it all right and then seeing that oh, actually marvin can do this better than me and katie can do this better than me Absolutely. and so it's an yeah. uncomfortable position to be in sometimes yeah but you have to trust yeah i like that yeah. when um when did the events start taking over then so we early on probably two years in realized that what we're creating is a database of very valuable people, right? We have millennials that like to have fun. They like to be active. They have a little bit of money. So sports leagues, you know, is sort of a way to get people in that database. And then when it was really Corey and I and Katie, you know, started saying, well, what else can we do with these people? And like, well, people like to have fun. Let's create an event. So we, mm. we did an event at our old office for about 45 people. And it was like a backyard, we called it the backyard blowout. It was a bunch of drinking games yep. and it was awful. It was raining. <laughs> <laughs> um, we ended up losing our lease because of it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, we had permission to have the event, but we pissed off all the neighbors because yeah. we were rolling kegs around and it was crazy. Yeah. But what we saw was it that escalated people quickly. came out. It escalated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people came out and they li- enjoyed the activity piece. Yeah. Um, so we knew we had something and today we're, you know, 2019 we'll produce... 15 events all over, you know, 15 to 2,000 people. Wow. We did one last weekend. Uh, it was 4,000 people at Grilled Cheese yeah. Fest. Amazing. Yeah. So again, and again, but again, it started with something that kind of went wrong, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You started, the, you started the leagues on a field. No one came. Yep. 30 people came. You started that. You lost your lease. <laughs> right. You And you could have said, okay, events are not for us. Let's go with the lease because they're paying else. off. Yeah. But it's gone from that to... 4,000 people were at the... And then now you've got massive events coming up. Yeah. We, you were just telling me about yeah, some of them Two events. beer festivals coming yeah. up, one in Atlanta, one in Birmingham, a uh, big pub crawl on the Beltline for Cinco de Mayo. And that's all just in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So that could have... Again, it could have been something where you said, no, this is not for us. It didn't go well. Yeah. But we knew we understanding that you there's something there and trusting that good instinct to say... No, we just got to do it this way next time. Or no, we just got to try this or not have it at our actual place of business. <laughs> right. right? Do it somewhere else. And yeah, yep. so that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's the thing that, you know, I think can scare a lot of people off when they sure. have ideas of going and doing a business. 
and they get knocked back. You're gonna get knocked back, right? All How many time. times have you tried something? I know Marvin, you can talk about where you've tried to take the sports exam. I'm sure there's been so many times that you've been like, this is gonna work, yeah. and then the first time you do it, it doesn't work, right? Yeah, I mean, we're super lucky that, going back to the events even that, yeah. between Kevin, Corey, and Katie, there's like three talented people in that mm-hmm. space, right? The fact that the three of them just ended up in the same space, wanting to work together, they hang out outside of work. Right. Like there was no way events wasn't going to work. It here. was going to work. It was going yeah. to work. You know, yeah. they well, recognizing that talent and then mm-hmm. embracing it and not being like scared off by a bad forty-five person event. You so, know? what would you say the key to that to their success is, and the key to this success is, is it just the will to not give up? The the fact that doesn't matter what happens on this event, next time we're just going to learn from it. And that mentality that it never fails, it just is, okay, how do we... It becomes a learning experience. It always becomes a learning experience. Respecting that loss, acknowledging that loss, but then doubling down on what you're good at. You know, know, Corey is really great at marketing them. Mm -hmm. Katie is incredible at producing them, and this guy's got a vision that is unmatched in the city, you know. So it's just, it's not going to fail. Right. And And you don't acknowledge failure, right? You said... We lost our lease, this happened, that happened. At no point did you say it failed. Right. You said, we learned from that one, and then the next one was better. Absolutely. So it's just understanding that there, there's no such thing as that thing failing. Right. It's how you adjust from it. And I think that's what you guys have created, is a, a thing that just kept moving from failure to failure yeah. until well, now. How did you learn from those? How many thousand people did you say are going to be in? 30,000 30, people leagues. for sports leagues. Yeah. 4,000 people at just a weekend festival. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a special... We're special touching a lot of lives. Period. Yeah. So what's next? What's next? So our goal is uh, 100,000 participants wow. in sports leagues. Um, we set that as a 10-year target. Okay. It won't take 10 years to get there. Um, Marvin's on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then on the event side, we're um, expanding outside of Atlanta. Atlanta's a very crowded event town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're looking at... We do a couple events in Birmingham, and we'll probably add some southeastern cities to that. And then we want to start doing experiential events for brands. Brands are coming to us and saying, hey, you've got a really attractive audience. Um, Not physically attractive, but just attractive to a brand. Motivated, active, young. Active and young um, audience, yeah. That brands want to get in front of. And they're looking at us as the experts as to, how do I get my brand in front of your audience? Um, so we're we're gonna start creating. What events. do you think to that side of the business? Are you excited about that? Oh, or is that that's yeah? that's like. The Did you ever thing. see it going there? Yeah, I didn't. Not until cool. uh, we started working with Atlanta United when they first uh, came on the scene, yeah. and they came to us and said, "Hey, we want to get in front of your audience." And so we created a pub crawl for them yeah. that turned into a, their annual block party that kicks off their season. And then their sponsors and their brands are really excited about the events because they're seeing the audience that we're bringing to the table, and mm-hmm. uh, they get to interact with them, you know, face to face. Yeah, you can't really do that at a game. Right. You know, if you're online for a beer. You know, you're, getting, you're grabbing your beer and you're going back to your seat. Right. You got a four-hour block party. A brand can really interact with with people yeah. and talk to them and learn from them. And uh, so it, it's, I think it's really exciting where we can take that. That's awesome. Do you have any specific place you really want to take it, or are you just gonna? I, I want to do some big events. Okay. You know, we want to be somehow in the music scene. You know, we want to produce events for twenty-five thousand people. Wow. It okay. takes as much work to do that as it is to do an event for a thousand people. Um, so why not go big? I like it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so in the next seven years, it's been seven years to get to this point. Where will Atlanta Sport and Social be then? Do you think? Whew. Um, where will you be? 
I will still be here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You'll still be will ten you, years from now. That might be a different answer. Your, your, day, your day today might be a little bit different. You think might, you just yeah. be the CEO, or is it? Are you that now? Would you say? I, I am that now. Yeah. Um, we are looking to add sort of like it's called an integrator through the EOS model, mm -hmm. more of a president, um, and that that person would have ultimate P and L responsibility for the different business units, and then that really pushes me to a, a visionary seat. Yeah. Um, that'll probably happen in the next year. Cool. And then. From there, I think it's just it's building each one of the business units, and uh, you know whatever that next squirrel running around is, mm. we'll we'll attack it. <laughs> How about you, Mom? And where do you see the sports side, or you personally too? Yeah, it's leveraging our community to be the most influential group in the city, mm. first and foremost. I like that. Yeah, you know, and I've got dreams of being in other markets as well. But there's just Atlanta's so ripe, right? And the yeah. people are so passionate here. And, there's so many neighborhoods and communities that don't necessarily have access to what we offer right now, and I want to break down those barriers, you know? Nice. And make sure that we are touching everybody that we can. Yeah. Um, and then eventually having markets talk. So if people aren't staying in Atlanta forever, then I want to be there segueing to their next market. Um, that's the ultimate goal. Yes. Yeah. Because like you said before, it's such a transient city, right? right? Absolutely. You don't meet many people from Atlanta. Yeah. So what you're doing in, in connecting people is so important, but then it is easy to stay in the neighborhoods that are already easy to get into, right? Mm -hmm. If you can break down the barriers and go to neighborhoods that are not necessarily touching, what kind of impact can Atlanta Sports Social have in them kind of neighborhoods Absolutely. would be incredible to see too. You know, getting those neighborhoods to talk, you know, like there's no reason for you to live in Midtown and not play in the West End. There's yep. absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. So. And even, I mean, I was going to say like, having neighborhoods playing against each other or yeah, things like that, sure. you know yeah. what I mean? That would be really cool to people have pride in their neighborhoods. And right. So, Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm excited. I can't wait to come back. Well, and thank see you, you for are. playing even with us. Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been with you guys from the start. When Absolutely. we first opened, we were like, this is an opportunity for our members to get out of the gym. Sure. It's not just about why do all this training and not, you know, express it and connect and like we've had times when we played against a team and then they've come to dinner with us and things oh, yes. like that so That's it's been awesome. really cool to see so your proof that we're making connections oh, yeah. we love it so awesome. we go there for we want to play sport we're super competitive but it's more about meeting the people and Absolutely. you know and connecting with other teams and things like that so thank you for what you guys do and and yeah I can't thank wait you to for having out. us oh yeah thank you for joining us <laughs> <laughs> boom Hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Please, please, please leave me some comments. Write me a review. Five stars would be awesome. If you're not going to leave five stars, don't worry about the review. Go on with your day. Enjoy yourself. But always remember, when somebody asks you what you do, always answer whatever it takes. See you next time.